And so I'd ask you to pray this morning. We're looking forward to a great year, what the Lord's done with the ministry, and then also what God's doing through our church. Let's notice in Mark's gospel, chapter number 10, this morning, I'll begin reading in verse number 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none but a good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all of these have I observed from my youth up. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way and sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor. And thou shalt come, or excuse me, thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and take up thy, the cross and follow me. And he was sad at the saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Let's pray. Fathers, we bow before you this morning. Thank you for the opportunity once again to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. Lord, I would ask you this morning, as testimonies have been given, songs have been sang concerning the grace of God, may you help us this morning to be able to drink from that well of grace. I pray for your divine presence, for your power upon the preaching. Continue to be of our church, and Lord, may you continue to add to it daily such as should be saved. I pray that you'll be with us in the building program. But Lord, in spite of all this, I pray that you'll continue to give us souls for our labor. Lord, we praise and bless your holy name for the souls that have been saved through this ministry, this church, and through the Rock of Ages and missionary endeavors here in the United States and around the globe. I pray now that if there's one here this morning, sending of the sound of our voice, that is not saved, may the Spirit of God convict them and draw them. And I pray, God, that you'll help them to turn from their sin to the Savior. I'd ask now that you'll give thy servant strength, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to preach this morning on this thought of this subject matter, the man who went to hell with heaven on his mind. Hell is an awful place. It is a place that is totally opposite in contrast of heaven. Heaven is a place of no pain, no suffering, no agony. It is a place of wonderful bliss and joy in the presence of God himself. Hell, to the contrast, is a place of torment, It is a place of flames. The Bible said it's a place of unquenchable fire. It is a place of terrible punishment and will last forever and ever and ever. The only thing I can imagine that would be worse than going to hell itself would be to go to hell with heaven on one's mind. As we consider the matter, we have Judas in the Bible. And I believe that according to the scriptures in Matthew's gospel 26 and verse 49, and also the reference in Acts chapter 1 and verse 25, I believe that Judas died and the Bible said he went into his own place. Judas himself followed the Lord Jesus Christ, was taught by the master himself, and yet the Bible said that he went out after betraying the Lord Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver, that he went out and hung himself and went to his own place. We find that Felix in Acts 24, 25 was one that had uh, heard of salvation. He looked into it. He wanted to know how to be saved and more about salvation, but he wanted to wait until a more convenient time. And according to the scriptures, that is not recorded where a more convenient time ever came. He died and went to hell without God, with heaven on his mind. There is King Agrippa in the Bible. And the Bible said that 
He stepped up to the very door of heaven, to Jesus himself or to uh, Paul and inquired about heaven and about salvation and how he could be saved. And yet the Bible tells us that he went away and he never was saved and put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so King Agrippa, uh, the convenient time for Felix never come for Agrippa and others, and they went to hell with heaven on their mind. Festus heard of the claims of the gospel and called them the ravenings of a madman in Acts 26 and 24. And yet we find that he went to hell with heaven on his mind. As far as we know, every one of these that I've mentioned this morning died without God, died without salvation, died without the grace of God, and died and went to hell. But all of them had a knowledge of salvation. All of them sought about salvation. They wanted to inquire about salvation. This morning, I wanted to say to you that one of the saddest things in reality in our Bible and in our society is that people that sit in churches all across America and around the globe under sound preaching... They get the sound doctrine of salvation, and yet they die and go to hell in their sin. People are in and out of our churches repeatedly. Some sit in Sunday school and Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, revival night, missions night, and Sunday after Sunday and Wednesday after Wednesday and service after service, they hear the gospel preached, and they struggle in their heart about heaven, and yet they leave repeatedly without God and die and go to hell. I say to you this morning, it is my prayer that there is not a one sitting under the sound of my voice that has inquired about salvation, has sat under the great preaching of the pulpit here at Bible Baptist Church of our pastor and the guest speakers that we've had and know all about salvation but die and go to hell without God. I remember our son Randy, he called, and I'll not go through all of his testimony, but he called 22 miles north of Valdosta, Georgia in the southbound lane of I-75. He was raised in a missionary's home, heard some of the greatest preaching from the guests coming into our national conferences and meetings that we sat under in conferences across this great land. And he called weeping profusely and said, Dad, I feel if I drive one more mile, I'll die and go to hell in my sin without God. I need to be saved. And I said to him, I said, Son, let me share with you the Bible and the Scriptures. He said, Dad... I don't mean to be rude, but I don't need the Bible right now, and I don't need the Scripture. I already know about the Bible. I know about how to be saved. I just need to bow my heart and give my life to Jesus Christ. He pulled off the side of I-75, 25 miles or 22 miles north of Valdosta, Georgia, and bowed on his knees and trusted Christ as his Savior. He had been in church. He had been raised in church as a missionary's kid and sat under great preaching and was under conviction but had not been saved up to that point. And God showed him his need of salvation. In our text this morning, we have this man that has come to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a rich young ruler. I'll not take time to tie all the Gospels together. But as you study the Scriptures, you'll find that this man went to hell with heaven on his mind. Let me give you a few things concerning this man. Notice in verse number 17 where the Bible says, And when he was gone forth, speaking of Jesus in the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? I want you to notice this man's status, if you would, please. For the Bible tells us in Matthew's Gospel, 19 and verse number 22, that this man had privilege. He was a man that was of social status. He was a man... <clears throat> that had some leverage in society. He had privilege. He had servants. All he had to do was call by name, and they would uh, come and bow before him and bring him whatever he had. And there are people in our society that somehow believe that their status in society 
will get them into the portals of glory. But may I say to you this morning, that it is through Jesus Christ only and Christ alone. It is through his shed blood and his death, burial, and resurrection. Thank God for Calvary and for Jesus Christ dying on the sin for all mankind. This man had privilege, but yet we find that his privilege did not get him into heaven. This man had a position. The Bible said he was a ruler. That means he had some position in society. He had some authority about him. And I say to you this morning that it does not matter uh, this morning your uh, privilege or your position in society, that all men must come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And all men must come the same way. They must come through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and bow before the cross of Calvary and put our faith and trust in him. Our position in society will not save you. I remember years ago when we were on the West Coast, we'd come back to the East Coast and we'd travel and we would pass out gospel tracts and try to do soul winning and tell people about heaven. And I remember one night we went into the hospital. Someone uh, was there and they were dying. It was one of my wife's nieces and she'd been in a horrific automobile accident. And we had witnessed the folk in the elevator, in the hospital, in the grocery stores, the gas stations and everywhere we'd go. And you know, I told Peggy, I said, you know, it's hard to do soul winning in the South because everybody claims to be saved. Everybody's a member of the church. Everyone has a Paul, a grandpa or someone that is a preacher. And they're trusting that to get to heaven. Wow. I remember as we walked out of the elevator and walked down through the uh, sitting area, there was a gentleman that was sitting there and it turned out he was a janitor in the hospital. And so I ran over and offered him a gospel track and began to witness to him. And he said, you know, he said, I've been in church all of my life, but I've never heard what you're saying. And it just brought to the reality that there are many churches today well, the, there is no gospel, there's no salvation been preached, and people are comfortable in their sins. And I began to witness to him, and after a while, uh, he bowed on his knees and gave his heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I say to you that your position, uh, your uh, privilege in society will not save you. You must come to Jesus, and you must be willing to put your faith and trust in him. This man also had prestige. The Bible said that this man, according to verse number 20, that he was morally clean. Notice the Bible said that he uh, kept all of these things, the commandments that Jesus had uh, mentioned to him, in the five of the Ten Commandments found in Exodus chapter number 20. And yet this man said, I've kept all of those five that Jesus had quoted to him. And in Matthew's gospel, he said, for my youth up. And may I say to you this morning, you may be here and be religious. But may I say to you this morning that religion is only used five times in the Bible and not one single time is religion used in conjunction with salvation. The Bible defines religion in James. Pure religion and five faith before God the Father is this, to visit the fathers and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. This man had religion. He was morally clean. You ask many people how you would get to heaven, and many will respond by keeping the Ten Commandments. This man kept five of the Ten Commandments that Jesus quoted, and I'm sure if he had quoted all ten of them, this man would have said, I've kept all of these from my youth up. And yet Jesus said to him, Yet luckest thou one thing. May I say to you this morning, religion will not get you to heaven. On the outward appearance, this man, he had privilege, he had prestige, he had position, he had power, but he was not saved. He didn't know Christ as his Savior. 
and he come to the Lord asking how he could enter into heaven. You may be sitting here today on the outward appearance. Everything looks, can I use the southern term, hunky-dory. Everything looks good. I mean, from the outside, someone would say, well, surely they're going to heaven. I've heard people say, if they don't get to heaven, I'm not going to get there. Well, I'll be careful about saying that statement, and I understand the implementation of it, but the truth of the matter is we do not know the heart. And this man on the outside, everything looked good. I mean, to his mother and dad, he was pleasing to them. He was successful. He had money. He was successful. He was moral. He had, he had success, and he was clean in his moral living. No doubt he made his mother and dad proud of him. No doubt his mother and dad said to them, this is my son, and this is what he does, and this is how he is, and this is one that I'm proud of, and I thank God for him, maybe. But the truth of the matter is the man was not saved. He was lost. But appearances can be deceiving. Someone say amen. I remember I was preaching in a church in Iowa. I preached there, I guess, upwards of 18 years now, an annual meeting in the end of September of October every year. And uh, this particular pastor, I'll not go into all the details, but we just never did feel comfortable around him, preacher. Something just never did seem to connect with us. And uh, we were in one particular meeting one year, and boy, the spirit of the church was totally different. The spirit of the preacher was different. And I leaned over to Peggy, and I said to her, I said, something's changed in the preacher. And uh, found out after the services, he had gotten saved a few weeks before that. He'd been preaching uh, about 20 years at the time and uh, pastoring his people. And uh, I'll not get into it, but I'm telling you, it changed immediately. And uh, God began to move in that church. And God began to save the sinners and the church and the congregation. And in one service alone, over 30 of the church members got birth into the family of God. I'm saying to you, everything may look good on the outward appearance, but on the inside, God knows your heart. And you know whether or not they've been doubting your heart concerning the matter of salvation. This man, his youth had left him unsatisfied. His money had left him feeling unfulfilled. His morality and religious living had not satisfied the deepest longing and desires of his heart this morning. And if you're not satisfied, I'd check up on my salvation this morning. Paul wrote to the church in 1 Corinthians and he closed it by saying that they ought to examine themselves whether they're in the faith or not. And I'm not implying anyone's here lost. I don't know your heart. I don't know who's saved and not saved. I believe as I look out this morning that the majority, if not of the largest majority of folk would be saved this morning. But of the services that we've been in recently, uh, there have been the majority of folks that are getting saved that aren't church members or at least have been in church most of their life. This man had climbed up the social ladder one ream at a time. And yet when he got there, he found out that he did not have peace with God. I remember a piano player down in South Florida during the invitation went forward and got saved and gave her life to the Lord. Not implying anyone here that plays the piano needs to get saved. I remember there was a deacon at a church out in uh, Idaho or, excuse me, Indiana that got saved during a meeting and gave his life to the Lord. I'm not implying any deacon needs to get saved. I remember our son when he got saved and gave his life to the Lord. I remember uh, church members down in Alabama recently was in a meeting and seven church members came forward and trusted Christ as their Savior. We were in another meeting and a man just in Lafayette, Georgia came forward on a Sunday morning and said, I've been in church 20-something years and there's always been something missing in my heart. I've been faithful to church and I've sang in the choir. I've sang specials and I love God and I love our church and I love our preacher, but something's always been 
been missing deep inside. And he said, I realized this morning, I need Christ as my Savior. There was an elderly person, if I'd called the name, many would know here this morning. But uh, she recently got saved and gave her life to the Lord after being in church the majority of her life. I'm glad that God saves sinners, whether they're sinners outside the church or sinners inside the church. And so we find from all outward appearances, everything uh, seems to be right. And you may be here this morning and everything seems to be exactly where it's at. In fact, you may be here this morning and be so morally clean that others would say to you, I know for sure they're going to heaven because look how clean they are. This man no doubt was clean, but he was going to hell with heaven on his mind then despite of all that you have accomplished in our lives, it'll all be in vain if we don't know Christ as our personal Savior. I reminded, and we're not endorsing uh, marking the body or anything, but I remember a prisoner, it's only been about maybe three years ago, a pastor's wife was helping us at the Silverdale Correctional Institution, Brother Sosby, and uh, she got saved and gave her life to the Lord. She was bubbling over. And she was tattooed from the crown of her head to the tip of her toes. Everything that was was exposed in her arms and the lower legs had tattoos on it. And uh, she said to the lady, the pastor's wife, led to the Lord, man, she was excited. She said, glory to God. She said, I'm so excited. I've got one little place I can put a tattoo. She said, it's right here on my arm. And and she said, I'm going to tattoo right there. Two words, Jesus saves. Man, she's just excited about her salvation in the Lord. Then notice who would please with me, verse number 17 through verse number 20, his search. The Bible said in verse number 17, he was concerned. The Bible said he had a lot going for him. He came to the Lord. He knows something's missing in his life and his relationship with God. And this man sees a desire in his heart, but he wants to do something about it. Notice, if you would please, the Bible said that he came running to Jesus. This shows that he understands there is a sense of urgency in his hour. Unlike others that have come to Christ and said, I'll wait till a more convenient time, he comes running to Christ. He senses the urgency in his voice and in his heart that he's got to find out how he can get to heaven. If I were here lost this morning or sitting on the sound of our voice on the live streaming and recordings, I believe I'd run to Jesus. One time at a church at the 11th Avenue Baptist Church many years ago, we were members, not long after we'd been saved, was in the basement of the prayer meeting of a church, and one of the deacons come running down and said, Preacher, come quick, come quick, speaking of our pastor. And, of course, he ran up the steps, and most of the churchmen in the prayer meeting ran up with him, and there was a man in the altar wailing and weeping and seeking the Lord. And come to find out, he had passed by the church uh, on the road and uh, went down just about a half a block or so and got under conviction. Amen. He stopped his car, turned around, came back, and was under such conviction. He had run his car up to the, on the porch or the platform, the steps coming up, uh, put it in park, ran through the church, slid into the altar, and was praying and begging God for salvation. Concern. Seeking God. And I'd say this morning that if you're here lost without Christ, I'd come running to Jesus Christ. Notice the Bible said that he kneeled before him. He kneeled before him, recognizing that he is God. He is the Savior of the world, and he is the only answer to man's sin. He comes running to him. He bows before him and says, good master. He acknowledges who he is, God in the flesh. 
He comes to Jesus, the Bible said, while he was in the way. May I say to you this morning, if you're here and you're lost without Christ, you must come to Jesus. Behold now, today is the accepted time of the Lord. The Bible says that there's no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. This man had power. He had possessions. He had privilege. He had it all, but he didn't have Christ. And then notice, if you would please, this man had it all together, so he thought, on the outward appearance, but in the heart he struggled nonstop with this matter of salvation. Now, I don't want to make anyone doubt their salvation this morning. I'll be honest with you. After I got saved and gave my life to the Lord, I never really doubted it, thinking I was dying and going to hell, but often I wondered a few times for a few months, did I really mean it? Not, I didn't question whether God would be willing to save me or able to save me. But I was wondering, is it true? Could it really be true that God could come into my heart and take all of that sin away? Now, I knew it was because the burden of my soul had been lifted. God had lifted the burden of sin, the weight of my sin off of my heart and off of my chest. Boy, I'm telling you that morning when I got off the altar, I got saved between the pew and the altar. But when I got off of that altar that morning, it felt like the whole world had lifted off of my chest. The next morning, I'm sitting in the side of the bed, and, and for the first time, and I'm sure they're there all along and never noticed them, but for the first time, I could hear the birds chirping and singing outside my window. And Brother Jones, I thought to myself, God sent the birds to sing an ensemble just for me. Now, I don't be too uh, sensational this morning and unrealistic to you, but it's honest to God's truth. After I got saved and gave my life to the Lord, Colors were more vivid. Blues were more blue and greens were more green and reds were more red. The sky was more beautiful than I'd ever seen in my whole life. Why? Because the scales of darkness had been lifted off my eyes and Christ had moved into my heart and taken up a bow and lifted the burden off of my heart and the scales of sin had been released. Someone said, I didn't feel that way. I don't say everyone has to feel that way, but that's what happened to me. And I doubted for just a short while, wondering, was it real? But I knew it was real. I'd experienced it firsthand. You know, man can split atoms. They can put man on the moon. They can harness the power of the sun, the wind, and the rain. But man don't know how to get to heaven. And here this man had it all. He came to Christ trying to figure out how to get to heaven. The Bible said in Hebrews 9, 27, is it appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. When you die, you'll either go to heaven or hell this morning. And it's not contingent upon Christ. Christ done his part. He died on the cross. He died for man's sin. He was buried and resurrected. He paid the penalty of your sin and mine. He's done his part. Now we must do our part and come to him and bow on our knees and trust him as our savior this morning. I preached in the Silverdale Christian Institution not long ago, and I made a passing statement in the middle of the message. I said, you may be here this morning, and you got what you wanted, but found out it wasn't what you needed. And at the invitation, a lady had come forward five and got saved and gave their life to the Lord. They were going out the prison door. They were the last ones to leave. And one at the very end turned and literally ran back to me and said, Brother Ellis, said, I need to tell you. Said, I was listening to your sermon, but really wouldn't hit home. But you made that statement. You may have gotten what you wanted and found out it wasn't what you need. She said, that statement hit home. 
and it began to work in my heart. That's why I came forward this morning to get saved. You may be sitting here this morning and you have got what you wanted, but you're unfulfilled. Your desire is missing. Something is wrong inside your heart. When you die, will you go to heaven or will you go to hell this morning? Then notice what his confusion. The Bible says also that he, this man, um, let's give him at least some credit in the scripture. He's concerned about the right issue. He knows that he doesn't know himself how to get to heaven in spite of all of his power and prominence and privilege and position. So he comes to Christ and he says to Christ, how can I get to heaven? What must I do to inherit eternal life? The man's confused. He comes at the right time. Jesus is there. He comes the right way. He comes and bows before Jesus. But there's one problem with this man. He thinks that salvation can be earned. You know what he says in the scripture? He's looking for a due salvation. The Bible said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's wanting something he can accomplish to make him feel good. He wants his name on the church row. He wants his name on a baptismal certificate. He wants his name in the bulletin that he got saved. And he wants something that he can do that's tangible that he can put his hand on and touch it with his own fingers and say, this is what I've done. He wanted to do salvation. But my friend, may I say to you this morning, uh, salvation is not a due salvation on man's part. It is the salvation that can only come through Jesus Christ and his forgiveness. Uh, he wants to get saved, but he wants to be able to do something about it. He wants part in it. When I got saved and gave my life to Christ on that Sunday morning in 1977, there wasn't a thing I did except get up out of my pew and make my way to the altar. And God did his part. He thinks salvation is a reward. There may be those sitting on the side of my voice this morning, and you think salvation is a reward. You think if I'm faithful to church, if I do this and that and the other and keep the commandments of the golden rule, the best of my ability, that I can get to heaven, surely God will recognize my accomplishments. Salvation is not a reward for faithful service. It's a free gift. According to the Bible in John 10, 28, and then his challenge. Quickly this morning, concerning the character of the Savior, he called him good master. You may be sitting here this morning and you, you know that God is good. We were in one of our leadership meetings at Rock of Ages a few weeks back and one of our missionaries' wives and God swept through that place and for about two and a half hours, people were testifying and rejoicing in what God's done for two and a half hours. And one of our missionaries' wife stood up and gave testimony. And she said this. She said, I love the life I live. Yeah. I've done given that phrase to three songwriters. I love the life I live. Do you love the life you live this morning? Do you love coming to church? Do you love reading your Bible? Do you love serving God? Do you love the life you live this morning? 
John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. May I just say it this way in summary? It's Jesus and Jesus alone. It is not Jesus and or Jesus plus. It is Christ and Christ alone. Reminds me of the Buddhist that got saved in the state of Washington at the Washington State Penitentiary, and I know I've told this before, but I want to tell it again because I like telling it this morning. He had his boot after he got saved, went back to his cell block. He's sitting up on a little shelf in his cell and he looked at him and said, Buddha, you've never carried me anywhere. In fact, I've carried you everywhere. I even carried you into this prison. He said, I'm tired of carrying you. I'm trusted Christ as my Savior and he's already carrying me and I'm tired of carrying you and he flushed him down the toilet. I'd say that's a good way to put a God that can't carry you and answer prayers and answer our burdens. Concerning the condition of his soul, Jesus quoted five of the Ten Commandments, and I'm not going to go through it all this morning. You can't turn over a new leaf. I tried it. This man has a confession of verse number 20. He's kept all of these commandments. And Jesus didn't rebuke him for keeping the commandments, but he did say to him, you don't have enough. Notice his sorrow, and I'll close. Verse number 20 and 21, this man reaches out as a young man, but Christ rejects him, and the man turns away. The Lord had compassion upon him. The Bible said he loved him. In spite of his sin, in spite of his religion, in spite of his position, in spite of his privilege, in spite of all that he had in his life, the Lord still loved him. Aren't you glad God loves us in spite of ourselves? Then we find that Jesus gives him a confrontation. Yet lackest thou one thing. You know this morning you'd be sitting here and you can have a nice home, nice automobile, a fat bacon count, a good job. You can have prestige in the community and still die and go to hell without God. I've told it before, and I don't want to be redundant this morning, but I remember years ago I was preaching, and I made a statement in a service. I said, you can have a doctorate's degree and still die and go to hell without God. And a man was there that morning getting ready to receive his doctorate's degree as a principal of a high school in Rollins, Wyoming, in Carbon County. And that morning he got highly offended. And someone came to him after the service and said, the reason he got so offended, you said a doctor, if you had a doctor's degree, it didn't mean anything. You'd die and go to hell without God if you had a doctor's degree. And so I found out that morning that that highly offended him. But I'm going to say to you this morning, it don't matter if you have a PhD, a, T, a THD, or if you got a DMV, whatever it might be, or an XYZ. I want you to know this morning, without Christ, if you don't know him, you can have all the degrees you want and die and go to hell without God. And I'm for education. I have a doctorate's degree by the marvelous grace of God. You're talking about mercy and grace. But listen to me this morning. It's not in our accomplishments. Then the man rejected the Lord. If they come to the piano and get ready this morning. The Bible said this man wanted salvation. He wanted on his terms. He made an earthly decision with an eternal consequence. And may I say to you this morning, one day this man's youth faded. It was gone. His vitality and strength and possessions had run its course. And now he's left empty, void, and vain. I know it's not a shout. 
the aisle and run the aisle or swing from the chandelier message this morning. And I struggled with God about preaching it. That's true. Outside of the prison, 90 to 95% of the souls that are saved are not sinners visiting the church. It's church members that have struggled for year after year after year with their salvation. I've said it before, but I'll say it again in closing. If there's one here this morning that rejects Christ, you are the greatest thief that ever lived. And not only are you the greatest thief that ever lived, you are a thief of yourself. Because if you robbed your soul of salvation and eternal life in Christ, you have rejected him. You have taken from your own life the greatest gift ever given to man. You have robbed from yourself and your soul eternity in heaven. Tonight or today we've read and gave thoughts on the man who went to hell with heaven on his mind. It'd be a tragedy this morning if someone died on the way out of the church with heaven on their mind and went to hell. I'll give you this and I'm done. Years ago as a young preacher, very young preacher, in fact, it's probably one of the first revival meetings I ever attempted in my life. There was a man sitting in the preaching every service. He clutched the pew in front of him till his knuckles and his hands turned white. He trembled and literally shook like a leaf in a windstorm. And the last night as young preacher, I didn't know much about invitations and all that. I just knew that God was dealing with someone. He got under such conviction, he ran out of the church, cranked his vehicle. He spun gravel all over the church. You could hear the gravel hitting the windows. You could hear him as he was shifting, going through his gears, going down the road. Church was over and it was only a few moments. You could hear ambulances and sirens coming through. Just a short distance from the church there's a little S curve that goes around it is estimated the man was doing over 100 miles an hour when he tried to hit one of those curves and square head on right into a huge massive oak tree died instantly he left church with heaven on his mind and just in a little ways down the road went to hell without God oh, to you that are lost Come now, come now, saith the Lord. Our fathers, we bow before you. There may be those sitting here this morning that are lost, that needs the Lord. And then there may be those that are here this morning that have lost loved ones and family members, that they've lost their burden. They've forgotten the awful penalty and eternal price of hell and those who reject Christ. They've cast their prayer life aside for that soul that needs Christ. Help us this morning, I pray. May there be conviction, drawing, prodding, wooing of the Holy Spirit of God. This morning, I pray you'll draw any sinner that needs the Lord to the altar. Encourage the church and the people of God this morning through the salvation of some sinner, I pray. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Some are praying this morning. It's an awful place 
You'll have some of us sitting in this room will have family members that will die and go to hell with heaven on their mind. There will come a day when you will sit under your last sermon. You'll have received your last gospel tract. You'll have passed and walked right by your Bible for the last time. There's one here this morning that says, Preacher, I need to be saved. Is that being known by quick left lifted hand? Just show me the palm of your hand. I promise you, I won't come to you. I won't embarrass you. Nobody's looking. I just want to be able to pray for you. Is there one anywhere, anywhere? Preacher, I've been struggling with this. Thank you. I see that hand. Anyone else? Quickly. Quickly. Anyone else? Quickly. Let's not drag God's invitation. Anyone else? If you raise your hand, preacher, would you pray for me? I've struggled with this matter. Maybe you're saved and you're just battling with doubt. Maybe you know for a fact you're not saved. Anyone else? Quickly, quickly, quickly. How many sitting here and say, Preacher, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven, but I've lost my burden to pray for the lost. Would you pray for me? Anyone else? Quickly, raise your hand while others are in the altar. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. Anyone else? Now, Father, you've seen the hands that have been lifted. Thank you this morning for the church. Thank you for your people. Thank you for our pastor. I pray this morning you'll take this invitation, use it for the furtherance of thy work. I pray if there's one here lost or one that will be listening, live stream on the upload of the ministry this morning. May you speak to their heart, help them to be saved, I pray. How about it this morning? We'll wait just momentarily. The pastor will come with the invitation.